This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. I want to invite you to take your Bibles this evening and go to Galatians chapter 4. Recently, I had the opportunity to attend a prayer retreat for men at a Christian camp near here. What a blessing it was. We took Thursday to Saturday, were challenged on prayer, and then had extended seasons of prayer. Uh, Dads, their sons, uh, men from various churches. A pastor friend of mine challenged us on our relationship with the Lord, is defined and only strengthened by prayer. Sometimes we become careless as Christians in our terminology. We'll say, well, so-and-so loves God. Okay, I, I hope that's the case, but God said, if you love me, the Lord said, you'll keep my commandments. We don't just say it. We obey, and that's how we express and demonstrate our love to the Lord. Uh, part of loving the Lord is knowing Him and fellowshipping with Him. And you all understand, we need to understand that really my relationship with God and whether or not I really love Him and, and are having fellowship with Him is defined by my prayer life. I'm so thankful that LePages are asking us to pray. And yet the reality is, of all their supporting churches, about 80% of those spots haven't been filled yet. They need to be filled, and if most members in most of those churches took one spot, it'd be done in a heartbeat. But... While we have good intentions, the fact is we, we just consider that it's too, we're too busy and it is an inconvenience to pray. That is thinking that has to be confronted head on from the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Now God had done a mighty work in my pastor friend's life and that's why he was asked to speak at this retreat. And he took his church through a study on the biblical protocols for prayer. Much of what he presented was based on a prayer study, a book written by Dr. Harold Vaughn. As we celebrate our 50th anniversary as a ministry and look ahead to a time of concentrated preaching again by an evangelist, Morris Gleiser, I'm burdened that we take several Wednesday nights here as we lead up to the meetings and beyond, to earnestly consider how the Lord teaches us from His Word to pray. And my sincere burden is for God to develop a prayer culture here at Good News. I think that that does exist, but I believe that it ought to be more definable. 
Now, I know it exists, and when we watch the, pre the video presentation on our 50th anniversary weekend, some of those who gave testimonies alluded to the fact that brothers and sisters in Christ right here would ask how they're doing, and they would immediately transition into prayer. Immediate, spontaneous. That thrills my heart more than you can know. But honestly, we need here a prayer culture. And I'm feeling from the Spirit of God the, the, the need to lead out my own example and, 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 and be able to challenge you, but you need to see it here. Pray for me. As we have been working through the book of Acts on Sunday evenings, we've seen that everything began with prayer and Holy Spirit dependence. They didn't do anything without a prayer meeting. Vaughn notes in his book, quote, 120 believers gathered in the upper room and prayed for 10 days. Every member of the church was a prayer meeting Christian. I thank God for our church family, but look around. Are we a praying church? And by the way, we're doing very well compared to a whole lot of other churches. But can we say that every Christian at Good News is a prayer meeting Christian? He goes on. They, those early believers, waited, they wept, they worshiped. And they watched the fire fall, speaking about the power of God. The lack of holy fire in churches today indicates our need to return to upper room praying in this generation, end quote. But how should we approach God? It's a fair question. Just as there are protocols for many aspects of life, a protocol is a proper, productive way uh, of doing things, being effective, productive. So also God has protocols for how we should approach Him. Now this should be obvious to us, though we're not any longer under a monarchy. You know, somebody commented, if the British had won in the revolution, we'd all be speaking English. We speak forms of English, I guess. But those who live on a mon under a monarchy know there are protocols for approaching the throne, whether you like the person on it or not. We have protocols here if you're going to visit the White House, go into the Congress, and so on. There are protocols in place when we approach the throne of the universe. And God's protocols are not procedural, they're relational. I love that about my God. Relational based on his person so we can know and please him. I think back to what Jesus taught about the kingdom. And you'll remember that the king gave a feast and everyone was invited in. What disqualified those that were coming in? I mean, the lame, those who were in the highways and hedges, everyone was welcome. The only disqualifying factor was if you didn't have on the wedding garment, you have to go. 
Of course, that represents for us the righteousness of Christ. And so it's relational, based on his person, so that we can know and please him. Each week we will examine, in the coming weeks, examine and implement a different protocol to bless our Father's heart and strengthen our own hearts. So tonight we begin with this, the fatherhood protocol. The fatherhood protocol. When Jesus' disciples asked him to teach them to pray, you'll remember in Matthew 6 and Luke 11, Jesus said unto them, here's how to start. Our Father which art in heaven. We have a brother in our church that every time he's called on to pray, that's exactly how he starts. And that's a good thing, and it's a good reminder to us. Now, the Lord was not saying to his disciples, only repeat these words. What he's giving to them is a model or an outline. This needs to be the substance of your praying. And when we begin, we begin with praise. Addressing our Father who is in heaven. That represented a significant change from the Old Testament. Now, there were a lot of things that Jesus did with his disciples that marked a difference. But you'll remember that even in the Old Testament, there was relational praying. People walked with God. And so I'm not diminishing any of that. But to Old Testament Israel, especially from the time of Moses on, the Old Testament represented God as the lawgiver who thundered from Mount Sinai. Don't approach the mountain, don't touch it, you'll die. Many believers still look at our God that way instead of through Calvary. At the cross, God's holiness was reconciled and his compassion and mercy, or with his compassion and mercy, as Jesus paid our sin debt, our, our history, our hellish deeds were all cleansed by Jesus Christ's blood, giving us new identities and destinies. The Bible tells us about a relationship with the Father by faith in Jesus Christ. And it results in something special and unique. What does it mean when you say, Our Father, which art in heaven? Well, let's consider that together. First of all, He is our Father. You're part of a family and God said, whosoever will may come. Jesus said when he got here, I didn't come to, to take those who don't need a physician, those who are well or think they're well. We all need the great physician. But those who are sick, when I came to Jesus, it was because I was sick. And I needed salvation. I needed cleansing and healing. And I needed new life. I was dead and trespasses and sins. And so our Father, we come to the Lord on His terms, 
But when we come, admit we're sinners, and put our faith in Jesus Christ, He gives us a gift. He gives us eternal life through His Son. And when we receive Christ, the Holy Spirit of God comes and lives in us. And in Galatians chapter 4, that's where you're at, would you look at verse 6? And because ye are sons, or daughters, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, and He is crying, what? Abba, Father. Now watch what happens. We're going to compare Galatians 4, 6. And then we're going to go to Romans chapter 8. Two times in our New Testament, it talks about this crying unto God, Abba, Father. But when we become his sons and daughters, the Holy Spirit comes in and one of the first things, he begins crying. Or we could uh, word it this way. Remember, he's the convincer. He begins convincing us that God is our daddy. The Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. My flesh continues to tell me you don't deserve it. How can this be true? The Spirit continues to say to me, call him Father. See what's happening there? And so the first time this is used, the Holy Spirit is convincing us that God is our Father. And that word Abba means Daddy. And then the second time that it's used in the progression, obviously Romans comes before Galatians, but in our, the progression of our sanctification, the second time it's used is over in Romans chapter 8. And would you turn there now with me? That term Abba, Romans chapter 8. Notice please verse 10. Now let me just give you a little, some Bible instruction. Whenever you see in your English translation the word if, and if Christ be in you, that word can also be translated what? Since, very good. If, or since, Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit of life because of righteousness. But if, or since the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or make alive your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. This flesh, folks, continues to die. But when I yield this flesh to the Spirit of God, He quickens me. Isaiah 40 gives me strength to run and not grow weary, walk and not faint, if I'm waiting on Him. All right? So He, he quickens me. Verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, but if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do put to death mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby now we cry, what? Abba, Father. 
Now understand this about adoption. The New Testament doctrine of adoption is not, I was in one family and God adopted me into his family, like modern adoption. That's not what it is. When, we're, when we come into the family of God, we are birthed into that family, born again, new birth, right? So early in Galatians 4, uh, we could take time to look at the fact that adoption, and in that context, an heir born into the family was under governors and tutors. He had teachers. They were over him, though he was, he was the owner of all of this. Belongs to the father, belongs to me. But they were trained under these servants who were over them. And at a certain time, that one who was born into the family, an heir, he received adoption. In other words, he was declared a man and given full rights as an adult child, an heir. Here's the good news. When you and I got saved, we at the same time were adopted. What's that mean? When I trusted Christ, whether I was, and in my case, I was just a child, a young child. Some of you, 25, 30. Here's the point. When you were birthed into the family of God, immediately you got all the full rights and benefits of an heir. I could get saved this minute, and the rapture could happen this minute, and when I got to heaven, the inheritance is all mine. That's adoption. So make sure that you correct that uh, in your thinking. But back to the text now. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption. Notice the spirit is capitalized. He is part of your inheritance. You literally receive the Lord. And as a result, he moves in. He convinces you that God is your father. And now you can cry right back to the father in heaven, daddy. That's amazing. That is amazing. All right. So God wants us to have childlike faith using the ter this term of endearment as one of his children. History tells us that in the Greco-Roman world, a servant would never dare use Abba to refer to his master. Or Emma to call the mistress of the house mother. You wouldn't, do, you wouldn't dare do that. While Paul rejoiced to be a bond slave of Jesus Christ, he also shows us in Romans and Galatians that we are the children of the Heavenly Father. Now let's look at this from our Savior's perspective. Turn over to John 14, 18, or perhaps you've memorized it. John 14, verse 18. Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now, in that context, who is he speaking about? I'm going back to heaven and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Another comforter, the same as again, reference to the Trinity, they're one. I will send another comforter. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Do you know the amazing thing, that word comfortless? 
is a Greek word. See if you can hear our English word in it. Orphanos. I will not leave you orphans. I will not leave you parentless. Wow. Jesus was saying, you are not a spiritual orphan. You are not on your own, left to fend for yourself. You are a child of your heavenly Father. I'm going to go back a little bit about what I said about adoption, but I think you'll understand this illustration. A husband and wife went to an orphanage and they adopted a child. When the child went to school, and it's amazing how mean kids can be to other kids, went to school, he was mocked and ridiculed for being adopted. But this adopted child was pretty smart. He put his classmates in their place when he said to them, of all the children at the orphanage my parents could have picked, they chose me, but your parents are stuck with you. <laughs> so when you approach God in prayer, remember you are coming, watch this, as a family member, not a foe. In fact, when Christ died on the cross, he put the enmity, the hostility, he put it to death. You come as a child, not a criminal. How often do you go before the Lord and you just feel like a criminal? That's your flesh talking. You're a child. You come to the Lord as an heir, not an enemy. Not an enemy. A.W. Tozer said this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The most portentous fact about any man is not what he at a given time may do or say, but what he in his deep heart convinces God, uh, or I'm sorry, in his deep heart conceives God to be like. You were made to fellowship with your creator and sin in the flesh have messed all that up. That means that when you come before the throne, you have to come with this mindset, not your mindset. That's why we have to know these protocols. We have to know our God and what he has revealed about himself and what he thinks about us. And I love what he thinks about me rather than what I think about me. So we must see God as our father, regardless of even our earthly father. What your earthly father thought about you may not help. Don't put that on your heavenly father. He's told you what he thinks, and you need to believe what he thinks. Okay? He is always there for us. He knows us, accepts us. Loves us as he loves his son in heaven. He is for us. He likes us. Most of the time, I don't like me. But he likes us. 
and he's always available. In fact, every step you take towards the Father, he takes a step towards you. Draw nigh to me and I will, I'll draw nigh to you. So we must approach him as Jesus instructed us, our Father which art in heaven. That's the fatherhood protocol. That's where we start. And so as we close tonight, let's just reflect on a couple things together and then we're done. Have you repented of your sin and placed your full confidence in what Jesus did for you on the cross? Have you done that? There is only one way to the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ. If you reject Jesus Christ, you offend the Father because you think there is another way, and He sent His only begotten Son to pay your sin debt. Only one name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Have you believed on Him? If not... There's still hostility between you and the God of heaven. But if you'll repent of your sin, receive Jesus Christ, immediately he births you into his family. And I would encourage you tonight when we're dismissed, if you're not sure you're going to heaven, I'll be right here at the front. Stick around. I'm going to ask some of the other pastoral staff to be here. Come and ask for help. Uh, you can leave here tonight with your sins forgiven, having eternal life and a home in heaven, and a new family, a new daddy. And then Christian, ponder the gospel truth that Jesus bore your sins away. And when God sees you, he sees a forgiven you because he sees Jesus' righteousness. When I look to the Father and He's looking back, He sees me through the lens of Christ. And what may be ugly and needs confessing, when He looks back, He sees clean and white as snow. So ponder that. And then, our time is up, but when you take time next in prayer, Take time in prayer to acknowledge God as your father and you as his child. Thank him for that. It's the reality if you're saved. Thank him for that. And then finally, daily confide in your heavenly father about every concern of your heart. Do you know the main reason God made things on this earth the way he did. Father, mother, children, nuclear family. Do you realize that all of that was meant primarily to be an illustration? For what? So we could understand and know him. I love my kids, but they've taught me a lot about being a dad and how good my dad is. By the way, he's also taught me how much it hurts when a child goes astray. I know how my father hurts when I go astray. Oh, 
You got any kids that won't talk to you? How does God feel when his children won't talk to him? When he loves them perfectly, they, they're too busy to talk. So the fatherhood protocol. I hope that that will motivate us, propel us to spend much time in secret. Let's stand together. Father, thank you that you are Father, our Father in heaven. And Lord, would you use this truth to cause us to come running to you. We're reminded through the words of the Holy Spirit and the Apostle John, we are but little children, just little children. God, you're a perfect dad, perfect father. We say that reverently, but we say it obediently because that's how you've told us to approach you. And the Holy Spirit in our hearts confirms it. And so, Lord, help us here at Good News. Help us to have a culture of prayer because we love our Father. We want to spend much time with you. And Lord, as we close tonight, if there's anyone listening, either here in the auditorium, online, that doesn't know Christ as Savior, right now would you help them to repent of their sin and to believe on Jesus Christ so that they can have a perfect Father. And Lord, you stand ready to save. You long for that. You gave all for that. Lord, teach us to pray. Keep us safe as we head to our homes now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.